Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. My name is Minister Alan Williams, and we're starting off a series tonight talking about benefits. Everybody likes benefits, right? We don't want to admit it, but we're kind of selfish. We want to know what is in it for us. All right? And there's all kinds of benefits, right? There's health benefits, there's employee benefits, there's veterans benefits, right? And there's marriage benefits. One amen. Amen, amen, amen. I forgot my amen. And there's, you know, and again, with, with veterans benefits, there's, there's some, condi- there's a, you know, basically one condition you know, for veterans benefits, well, you got to be a veteran, right? In order to be a veteran, you'd have to be in the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Coast Guard. In order to be in the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Coast Guard, you had to go to basic training. In order to go to basic training, you had to see a recruiter, right? You had to be in some type of shape, all right? So before we really get into the benefits, let's talk about getting in first position to receive the benefits, right? To get in the door. Right? Even fill out the application, right? Okay. The first thing, you have to be born again. Right? One day you realize I'm in a situation, uh, I need to change. There was an altar call, you went up, you wanted to change, you invited Jesus Christ in your life, right? You confessed him as your Lord and Savior, believe that God raised him from the dead. You realize your way of doing things was wrong, I need to make a change. You were born again. Jesus said, man is born of water and spirit, right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.14. When you get there, say amen. You guys probably got there before I did. And it reads, but a natural man, that's what you were before you were born again, right? But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So if you're not born again, even if you picked up this book, it's saying it would be just like another book. It wouldn't be the book, it would be what? Another book, right? Just another book. In the Bible it says it would be foolishness. It'd be just like another story. A lot of good stories, but it doesn't really affect my life because I'm reading so many other how-do books. These are just just to be one of the books. So God had to do what? Put his supernatural on our natural, right? And we call that being born again. Nicodemus asked the question, right? And what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? You must be born again, John 3, 3. The second thing, you must love the Bible. Anybody ever been in the service, been on a remote assignment in the middle of nowhere? I was stationed in Turkey about probably nine months, nine or ten months after I got out of high school at a base about 40 miles north of Ankara. There's about 40 Americans, about 5,000 Turks. It was a Turkish training base. Guess what the most important thing two times a week was? No. 
getting a letter. Getting a letter from home, right? Because you're in the middle of nowhere, you can't do anything, you're surrounded, nothing wrong with Turkish people, you're surrounded by Turks. Letter is the most important thing. Because when, when you're at your lowest, right, because you always carry that letter in your back pocket, and when you're at your lowest, you look at the letter and you go, oh, they feel that way about me. Oh, now I can, now I can go on. And it wasn't really sometimes the, what they wrote in the letter, but it was the person that wrote the letter to you, the relationship you had with that person, knowing they were writing these things about you. God's love letters to us. Right? We know that he loves us, right? These are our love letters, so we have to be in love. Ooh, in love with the Bible. Number three. You must be willing to work hard. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. Let's look at that. Everybody there? My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and climb your ear to understanding. For if you cry for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding, then you will seek her as silver. So there's a crying out, right? I want to get this thing. I want to understand. There's a lifting up your voice. You're not going to stop. You're going to keep going. You're going to be seeking it, seeking it out, seeking it out, seeking it out. You're never going to give up because you're in love with the Bible and you're born again. You understand these things and you know that there's nuggets in here. You know, it's like somebody, it's like somebody telling you, in your backyard, I buried a million dollars someplace. When are you going to stop looking for it? You're never going to stop looking for it. That's what this is about. Everything is in here. Never stop looking for it. It's, God love, it's God's love letters to us. Somebody told me that some, there are some things that are apprehendable in Scripture, but, there are, but not all things are comprehendable. Do you all get what I'm saying? Things that are apprehendable... You know, by faith, you just, you know, you just believe, but it's not comprehensible. An example, the Trinity. I tell people, if somebody stands up in front of you and says, I can explain the Trinity completely, hold on to your wallet, because it's probably worth a couple of billion dollars. All right? That's one of the things that we apprehend, because we believe it by faith, but we really don't really comprehend it, because, what is it? It's, it's the infinite I mean, it's the finite trying to completely understand the infinite. That's never going to happen. So again, there's certain things that we can apprehend by faith, but we're not going to completely understand. We can't comprehend it because of the limitations of our mind. Number four. You must be willing to submit your will. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Amen? Isaiah 58, 55, 8, and 9. We have to come to a place, you know, and I know you've heard this many, many times before. Whenever there's an argument between us and God, there's somebody wrong and somebody right. And guess who's right and guess who's wrong. All right, that's, that's part of submitting our, submitting our will. And again, if you notice, when we're, talking, when we're talking about these things, you must be born again. You must have a love for the Bible. You must be willing to work hard. You must be willing to submit your will. If you notice, what's first? They're like building blocks. 
right? None of the other stuff after one can happen unless number one is first, right? Because what we said, the, the, stu the stuff in the Bible to the natural man is foolishness, right? Pray for your enemies. Let's go to James 4 and 7. When you get there, say amen. James is still after Hebrews, right? Okay. All right. Okay. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Just a little side note. You know, after you got saved, that doesn't mean the devil's going to leave you alone. Right? But what, what does it say here? Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right? Resist the devil... When, that, when it says resist the devil, that means there's something constantly going on between you and him. He's constantly trying to do something with you, right? Exactly, right? Am I, am I right about that? Yeah. All right. Um, we have to come to a place where, there, again, where there's a disagreement between us and God. He's right. We're wrong, all right? Submission and humility are key to getting the full understanding of God's strength. Number five, you must obey... His teachings, James 1 and 22. When you look in the mirror and your face is dirty and your teeth need to be brushed, you don't just walk away, right? You need to do something about it before you walk away from the mirror, right? All right. So James, 22 to 25. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers, who delude themselves. For if, every, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks into his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, abides by it, not having become a forgotten hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does." They say the knowledge of, if, you, the, the, if you've got knowledge of truth, that shows a sign of maturity. But if we go one step beyond, maturity, they say, is measured by what? Practicing and doing. Not just so you know it, but so people around you will know it. Because it's never about us, really, right? Whatever we're doing, it's never about us. Number six, you must, be, you must come to the world as a child. Matthew eleven twenty five. As most of you know, I just had a granddaughter. Uh, if you want to see pictures, I'll be in the uh, vestibule later on, all right? Um, and again, you know, with, with little kids, right, they're, they're walking around and falling down, you know, and they, they want to, whenever they want something, they just want it. You know, and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll cry, they'll do all the things, they're helpless, they know they can't do anything. As they get older, though, right, five or six, it's like, what, why, when, where, how come, you know? Did you know that God wants us to be like that? He wants us to, why do I, you know, why, why, why are we doing this, you know? He wants to, because ch children are innocent, right? Right, they don't know any better. And do we know more than God? Do we know what's down the road? 
Do we know about that knucklehead that we're going to confront on the job that's going to give us the what for? Right? Do we know how we're going to respond to that? He knows all that stuff, right? So that's why, I mean, it, like I said, it, it's a good thing in the morning just to pray. You know, prepare me for this person. Because I, 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 I don't know anything, you know. I can't, I tell people, you know, I, I couldn't even blow my nose without blowing my brains out if you didn't allow it, you know. I'm just, I'm just helpless. Number seven, this is the last one. You must prepare with an attitude of prayer. Psalm 119. I want you to, we'll go to 119.8, but I also want to go to 41 through 48 after this, okay? 119.8. I'm not doing too bad here. All right, 119.8. It reads, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. That's a simple prayer, right? Let's go to 119.41 through 48. I want to point out, point out a couple of things. Should be right on the next page, right? This is a prayer. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your word. So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me. For I trust in your word. You're preparing, right? For somebody that may be coming against you. You know, the guy that cut you off in the, in the road. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. You remember when you were saved? The Holy Spirit automatically took residence. Oops, there I go again. The Holy Spirit automatically took residence inside of you. So he says, do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your ordinances. So I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. You'll be bold. That's the Holy Spirit, right, giving us boldness. I shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? That, that, that takes care of everything, doesn't it? All right, we got all the conditions. We're ready to go in, take care, to get, take advantage of the benefits. All right? First benefit, strengthen your walk with God. You ever see that commercial with uh, the guy juggling the chainsaws, right? And the wife is over there going... I, I, I sort of uh, equate that with walking in front of God because he thinks he, he's, he's got everything, and God will let you walk in front of him, you know. And he says, okay, you know, if, if you want to do that, make that decision by yourself, I'll let you walk, walk in front of me. But then there's the other one. We can walk, we walk in back of God, right? God is up there trying to do something, and we're back here. And usually we're back here because we're scared of what's going on up there. We're not used to being in that position, right? God's got something for us out there, but we're not quite sure if that's really for us. But it says here, it will strengthen your walk with God. When you, when he, when you write next to him, 
what is he doing? He's talking to you, right? He's girding you up, right? When all those doubts of the world are beating you across, beating you upside the head, he's sort of, no, no, I, I, I can speak to you. He can't talk to you when you're ahead of him, when you're trying to make all the decisions. He can't talk to you when you're back here because you're so scared to be, to be up here. Amen? All right, so it strengthens your walk with God. You can walk with him, and that's what he wants you to do. Number two, it will give assurance of your salvation. Remember, the devil doesn't care that you're saved. You know, the other folks he already has. He can't do anything to God, so what is he going to do? He's going to go after the people that God loves. He's going to go after the people in God's family. Let's go to 1 John 5.13. And it reads, everybody there? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen? Again, Satan doesn't care that you're saved. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, right? Because the stuff that's going on, we'll slip and fall, we'll make a mistake, and Satan is always there to point the finger. Ha, see, you messed up. And you said that you're saved? You said that you're a child of God? Did you just, did I hear the same thing that came out of your mouth when those folks got, made you angry? Oh, is that the way, oh, is that the way you treat your wife? The accuser's always there. He's always kicking you. He's always beating you. And we have to remind ourselves, I'm a child of God. And when we slip and fall, what do we do? We confess that thing to God, repent, and ask for forgiveness. Amen? But Satan doesn't want you to do that, all right? So this word gives us that insurance. You know, I tell people, if you teach new members class, they tell us to make sure you ask everybody if they're saved, and then if they're saved, how do you know that you're saved, right? And I got a lot of different answers, you know? Um, uh, I'll get an answer like, oh, when I pray, I just feel the presence of God coming on me. Oh, when I, when I go to work, I just feel God walking with me all the time. I just feel, I just feel God in, inside of me. You know, it's all, it's like, and in my mind, I'm going, Ugh! you know, but I can't do that, you know. And I, t but I, but I tell, but I tell, but I tell people, and most of them know. Have they've confessed Jesus Christ as their, you know, as their Lord and Savior, you know, and everything. But when you ask somebody that, and Jesus Christ is not even mentioned in the explanation, that's a problem. Even because I'm a believer, I know that they know, but I tell them, if somebody that's a non-believer asks you that question, and you don't mention Jesus Christ, they're going to think that they're going to get to heaven without confessing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> Number three. I'm sorry. I, I get a little ups. You know. It's uh, okay. Let's keep going here. Number three. You will be confident in your prayer. You know. I, you know. Why people sometimes are scared to pray in public or pray in front of people because they've seen somebody else pray and they're doing comparison studies. Right. I can't pray like so-and-so, so, -and -so, so I'm not, I, sh I, sh I shouldn't be up there. Prayer is just talking to God, right? You know, I was reading, uh, reading someplace, um, 
people that have trouble praying verbally, sometimes it helps if you, when you pray, don't talk, just think about Christ. And all, and because you're talking, he says, because you're talking, certain things can come into your mind to, to get you off track. But when you're thinking about it, for some reason, there's, you, you block all that stuff out because your mind is, constant, is concentrating on that. And again, I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't pray out loud or talk out loud, but I think that sort of helps for people that are afraid to pray. You know, just try in your mind, just talking to God, some of the things that you want, you want to say to him, because there's certain things that the Holy Ghost will put to your remembrance, you know, that you didn't think that you were supposed to be praying about, but it's there, you know, and you needed to pray, pray that thing, right? And that's what Jesus Christ said, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit, right? To help you bring things back to your remembrance. Amen? All right. Um, 1 John, we, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Did we read that already? No? Okay. Let's go to that. This is the confidence that we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, again, according to his will, according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. All right? According to his will. Amen? Number four. It will cleanse us from sin. Okay, we're going to go to 1 John 2, 1, and then we're going to go back, which leads into 1 John 1, 9. All right? Now, 1 John 2, 1 says what? My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now look what it says in 1 John 1, 9. After we do that, right, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. He's faithful. Even if we don't have it, he's faithful if we go, if we go to him. So when the accuser points a finger at you, at you, the only thing you need to do is laugh at him. That's the only thing you have to do with him, is just laugh at him, if not just to ignore him completely. Write this down, please. It's not on the board. Studying the Word of God brings about two very important things. We learn how to keep away from sin, and we learn how to recover from sin. This tells us how to keep away from sin. And the reason why, why do you think it says how to keep away from sin? Because we're going to sin. <laughs> we're going to get in trouble. We're going to be, be caught in a, between a rock and a hard place. But there's a recovery. The recovery is this. Right? Amen? So it shows us how to keep away from sin, and it shows us how to recover from sin. Number five, it produces joy. Let me read 1511, see if you can see if, if I'm reading it correctly here. Sometimes my, uh, my eyes fail me a little bit and I mix up the words a little bit. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my happiness may be in you and that your happiness may be made full. Let me try it again. These things I have spoken to you so that my disposition may be in you and that your disposition may be full. Why can't we put happy in there? Doesn't everybody like to be happy? Why can't we put happy in there? And we've heard this time and time again. Happiness is based on what? Circumstances surrounding you, right? We can't go by that. Because these circumstances around us are a mess, if you just look at the news, right? You'd be happy for a minute, you know? And then you back down again, right? And happiness is based on that natural man, right? But we've been regenerated, right? He's put that supernatural on our natural. Now we can have joy. The natural man can't have joy. He can only be happy when the stock is up, you know, when people are building houses, when everybody's got jobs. That's when he can be happy. But we can be happy no matter what. Amen? Because we're living in the kingdom of God. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to wait till we get on the other side of glory to experience the kingdom of God. You all know that, right? We can, we can have joy right here. Amen? This word right here is like medicine, right? It's like an antidote. And you put whatever words you want in here. This is the medicine, which is the antidote for your issues. Actually, what's that issue? Life. That's what it is. I mean, we could say worries, doubts, fears, envy, jealousy, but it's actually life. Right? Right? That's, it's, it's the antidote for life. Right? And it can't just be another book. It's got to be the book. It's got to be the manual. Right? Especially for God's children. Right? And it's not just our manual. Right? It's not just for us. But people need to see that word in us. You know? Just in by a hello. Just by a hi. Just by a handshake. Amen? Six, it produces peace. Let's go to Colossians 3, 15 through 16. Say amen when you get there. I keep forgetting I got these things hooked up to me. All right. Let the peace of, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called to one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and thankfulness in your hearts. If you notice, it says, and admonishing one another. What does that mean? It's not just for us. People that come in contact with us, they want to see the peace. Because the world's in a mess. They want to see somebody that's got some peace. And I'm not telling you to walk into work every morning singing praise and worship songs. You know, but it says, it says, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You can be praise. People can see praise. You don't have to sing. You know, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you respond to the situation, that could be your praise song. That could be your hymn, 
You know, that's, that, that could be your thanksgiving to God. Because let me, let me tell you something. When people see that, they want to know why. You're acting this way. We've got the same situation. You're acting this way, and I'm acting this way. I want to know why you're acting that way, because I want to act that way. Amen? That's that peace, right, that you have inside. Another thing about this peace thing, we have the impression sometimes that God is only interested really in the big issues in our lives, right? But even the itsy bitsy bitsy tiny ones, he wants to be directly involved with it, right? He wants, he wants, he wants everything, right? Where you're going to, you know, where you're, where you're going to go shopping, you know, where you're going get to your, get your car fixed. It sounds silly, you know, but he really wants to be involved with that. He really wants you to, what do you think? Can I, you know, and again, God, God doesn't give his opinion, right? <laughs> he gives commands. He doesn't say, well, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this. There's really only one way, all right? But again, you've got to have the relationship with him because the accuser is going to give you all kinds of options to do, right? Amen? All right. Uh, number seven, it will provide guidance for decision-making. We were just talking about that. And again, if we go back to Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, it talks about his ways aren't our ways and our thoughts aren't his thoughts, all right? And again, as far as the, you know, the guidance and the, you know, the decision-makings, like I said, he wants to be involved in all of the decisions that we make in our life. And be the reason, the main reason for that, is because 99.9% .9 of the time, the decisions that we make in our life, what? Affect other people, right? Your, you know, it could, could be your children. Could be if you're a member of the church, especially if you're a leader of the church, right? We never know who's watching us, you know? We never know, we never know who's saying, well, Minister Allen did this in this situation, so I think I'm going to do this in this situation, right? Or Minister Cyrus or Deacon Michelle did this. This is how they reacted when this happened. And this same thing is happening to me. I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do, do that same thing, you know. Of course, we're going to, the Holy Spirit is in there too someplace. Amen? So our decision-making is not just for us, right? It affects a whole lot of people. It, can, it affects children, grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, neighborhoods, nations, cities. What we do here right now, that crossover right now, the decision that uh, the pastoral staff is making right now, the decision that Pastor Ivan is making about the, the building, all those things, all those decisions are going to affect somebody down the line. And we don't know who. We don't know how it's going to affect. You know, we don't know what's going what's gonna to what's gonna happen. That's why we need this, to guide us, right? Because God knows what's going on down the road, right? He knows about that neighborhood that may need to have that church in that area there to turn that thing around because of the drugs or the alcohol, you know, or families that are breaking up in that. You don't know. You have no idea what's going on. Right? You have no idea. Number eight. 
Oh, I, lo I love this one. It will give you confidence to articulate your faith. Somebody asks you, why do you believe? Why are you acting like this? Because believe me, if you don't give an explanation of why you believe, there'll be somebody else that's an unbeliever that will give an explanation. And you don't, and you don't want them to have that explanation. Because that explanation usually is to tickle their ears or to make them feel good inside. But we know our explanation is going to be the truth because it comes from the word of God. Amen? It may hurt them, right? It may be a little uncomfortable, but we're not worried about tickling ears. We're not, we're not worried about trying somebody, worrying about somebody feeling happy. After we answer the question, we want them to have joy and peace, right? Be confident, right? In what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Let's go to 1 Peter 3.15. Let me know when you get there. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready, I love this, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. And we, we always usually stop there, but let me just read a little bit more. Yet... With gentleness, right, and reverence, and keep in good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. All right? We don't want to beat anybody over the head with the Bible. Right? If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Which may be true, but you want to do it with gentleness. Right? But, you, the only, but, but you've got to be able to explain it, you know? Somebody, tell, somebody told me you've got to be able to explain it so a 6th, 7th, or 8th grader will understand it. You know, don't use those 50-cent words. You know, you'll drive them right away. Right? That's part of articulating, making people understand, right? Speaking in their language. Amen? Yeah. Number nine, it produces success and victory. We like success, and we like victory. Everybody wants to be successful and victorious. So what does that mean, though? Does it mean more money? Does it mean not having a car over two years old? Does it have, mean having a, you know, a three- or four-bedroom house? What's that? Did I hear something? <laughs> Bigger and better? Is that what it's all about? There's nothing wrong with that, right? But that's just part of the equation, right? If you got all that stuff and you're spiritually dead, I don't believe I just said that. I just, uh, what if you, yeah, what if you've got all that stuff and you're spiritually dead? What happens? If you're spiritually dead, all those things that you've got, how are you going to use them? if you're spiritually dead. Because you're not talking to God. He's not making any decisions for you. Right? Go to Psalm 1, 1 through 3. We're like these trees, right? Everybody knows that. Let's, go to, let's just read it again, though. Psalms chapter 1, 1 through 3. 
And again, this is the only type of success that is available to us. Remember that first condition, born again. This isn't available to everybody, right? You've got to come to a knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in order to have this success. And sometimes it appears, as we're looking at unbelievers, that they've got this success, but if they're spiritually dead, what does it mean? But if we're spiritually alive, let's go to Psalms. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. I, he loves this. He just loves reading it every day, every night. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Not in the season we think it's going to be in, but the season that God has pre-appointed for us, right? And its leaf does not wither. God doesn't make junk, right? What does it say? His word goes out, doesn't come back void. It's going to do that thing that he purposed it to do. And then whatever he does, he prospers. Now, unbeliever, that word prosper, you know, that has a lot of different meanings. But to us, we know what prosper means, right? That's just walking in the purpose of God. That's proper, prospering, right? Whether you're making $10,000 a year or $100,000 a year. You know, whether you're driving a Mercedes or driving a, nothing in a Ford Focus or a Ford Focus or a Beetle. I had to throw that in. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, number 10. This is the last one. We like to be smart. All right? It will make one wise. Amen? Proverbs 2.6. There's a lot of wisdom um, uh, chapters in Proverbs. We're going to go to Proverbs 2.6. When you get there, say Amen. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. Amen. I don't want you to turn here. All right. Chapter three. Just put, I mean, just write down Proverbs chapter three, rewards of wisdom. Chapters eight and nine is wisdom calling out. I got this picture of wisdom leaning out the window, just calling out to folks, you know. But just read those. I'm not going to go through those now, but just read, read those chapters. And again, there's a lot of other, uh, you know, wisdom chapters. Amen? Amen? So how many are you actually in love with the Bible? How many of you like love letters? How many of you like love letters from God? Amen? I love love letters from God. Because what, and sometimes a love letter will, these love letters make us feel a little uncomfortable, right? But because he loves us, we know that he's got our best interests at heart. Amen? That's why it's a love letter. Talks about the, the, what the kisses of an enemy and the wounds of a, wounds of a friend. Amen? 
Lord, we thank you, Lord. We glorify your holy name, Lord. We thank you for what you've done this evening, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. That somebody, in fact, grabbed a nugget, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Even though they may have heard some of these things again and again and again, Tonight, they heard something like they never heard it before, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And that's because of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, that, that dwells inside of them, Lord. And again, we thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit believers, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for that, uh, that, that we, thing we call born again. Hallelujah, Lord. Something happened. We made a decision. Hallelujah, Lord. We decided to change. We decided to invite Jesus Christ in our life, Lord, so that we could sit here and actually understand. Hallelujah, Lord, that this, this stuff doesn't sound foreign to, 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 to your people, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, because they love your word. They love your, uh, your, your love letters, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for using me, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for removing anything that I may have had, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, that we, that you, we, we put that off to the side, Lord, and that, and, and that there was meat going out, Lord. We thank you for the hunger and thirst for your people, Lord. Hallelujah, that they were fed tonight, Lord. But it wasn't me, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. It was a thing that you put inside of me, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, to make all these things possible, Lord. And we count these things as done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.